This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06 Thursday, the 19th of January, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Chong Jensen, and I'm Wong Shaoning. And earlier on, we did ask our listeners how traffic is like, and uh, Roberto said, Traffic today, really smooth and super low compared to just yesterday. He loves Chinese New Year in KL. And so do we. I just love Chinese New Year because I, I like the feasting and I like the ang pao collecting. I get the hint. <laughs> yes, we're all looking at you, Jensen. Uh, but in 30 minutes, we will be speaking to Angela Han of Bloomberg Intelligence on the impact of China's reopening to Macau's gaming and hospitality sector. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. After a good run, all key US markets ended down yesterday. The Dow was down 1.8%, S&P 500 down 1.6%, the Nasdaq was down 1.2%. In terms of Asian markets, the Nikkei was up by 2.5%, Hang Seng up by 0.5%, the Shanghai Composite Index, it was unchanged, the Straits Times Index, it was up by 0.3%, and the FBM KLCI, it was down by 0.3%. Why? Why are we always the odd egg again? Yeah, again, <laughs> again and again, you know. We, there's a trend here for sure. But to tell us where international markets are heading, we have on the line with us Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Good morning, Tony. In Help us understand what's happening in US markets because the S&P fell 1.6%. It's the worst decline in a month. Tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 snapped a seven-day rally reversing gains of more than 1%. Is this just really due to bad economic data? Yeah, we saw PPI and retail sales fall today. Um, kind of the weird part is, you know, consumer is still strong. Um, the U.S. economy is really built on services. So, you know, I think people are trying to confirm their downward bias uh, in things. And whenever we see bad news, uh, we see a sell-off day. Um so, uh, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily sure I would read that much into it, um, aside from just there was really nothing else going on. So people saw some bad PPI news and they were um, uh, they were negative. So, uh, you know, if we see downward PPI, that should mean inflation is slowing, which should mean uh, the Fed would um, uh, would ease a little, not ease, but it w- would would slow down on rate rises a bit. So that should have been positive news for markets. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a weird read of some of that data. Do you think markets are also spooked by all these announcements with regards to job cuts? Because Microsoft says they plan to cut 10,000 jobs. Amazon, of course, made announcements last week. And even Bank of America, is it telling their executives to pause hiring? Uh, not great for the mood on Wall Street? Well, maybe. But, you know, I think those job cuts are actually kind of small in terms of the gap that we see. So the U.S. is still missing uh, millions of jobs, okay, in terms of the the openings versus the available um, uh, people, okay? So I think there's something like 7 million jobs open. Uh, we also had a million people post-COVID not come back to work. Uh, so we have a, a gap in the workforce, just the status quo workforce of a million people, but we have something like 7 million open positions. So when Microsoft lays off 10,000 people or Goldman lays off 4,000 people, sure, it's tragic. It's definitely tragic for those individuals. But in terms of the overall uh, health of the economy, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. 
Anthony, the yen tumbled yesterday after the BOJ went against market expectations by keeping its yield curve tolerance band unchanged. What possible reasons would the central bank have for keeping this the status quo? Yeah, so so the BOJ is managing the yield curve to suppress borrowing costs, uh, and they want to keep it below kind of 0.5%. Um, there have been some hedge funds and some big investors who've been um, betting that they would tighten it, um, and the BOJ is just bigger. I mean, when they came back and they said, we're going to hold the line at 0.5, uh, you know, they spent about $100 billion so far this month um, to defend that, and they have plenty of... Uh, resources to to hold that. Um, so the real issue is this: is if Japan lets uh, their interest rates rise, then uh, Japanese, uh, say, banks and pension funds and other investors would consider selling debt from other parts in the world and buying Japanese debt. Okay, so if Japan lets their their rates rise. Um, then that would have a knock-on effect around the world. Uh, and that would cause a repricing of government debt all around the world. So it's not just the BOJ wanting to keep this for J J Japanese domestic reasons. They're getting pressure from other central banks uh, to keep their rates low. Okay, Tony, but what does this then all mean for, for the yen? I mean, at the at its worst point, the yen was trading 150 against the US dollar. Today is 128. That's a very wide range in just a few months. So what are your expectations? It is, yeah. I would I would look for, uh, certainly I would look for a weaker yen. I don't know that we would necessarily hit those lows, um, but the BOJ has made their stance clear. Um, they the, the BOJ has a new head coming in in a few months. Uh, I would say they're unlikely to dramatically change policy with the new head because they don't want to make people nervous. So I think they're going to aggressively defend the status quo. So I don't necessarily think you see a yen appreciating dramatically from here. I think the, the bias is really toward the downside. Okay, staying on the topic of currencies then, what's your view on US dollar? Uh, we're just looking at the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index this morning. It's already down 1.5% on a year-to-date basis. The era of King Dollar, is it, is it over? Well, I think, you know, not necessarily. I think we've Part of the, if you're looking at the uh, DXY, it's, um, uh, you know, it's really heavy on the euro. And so, um, uh, so, you know, we've seen Europe do better than many people thought through the winter because we haven't had a cold winter there and energy prices haven't uh, bitten as hard as many people thought they would. Uh, so I think Europe is doing better and the euro is doing better than many people thought. Um, and that's uh, on a, everything in currencies is relative. Um, China is uh, is opening, although it's gradually China is opening. And so that's good for uh, CNY. And so, um, you know, again, in a relative basis, I think there is pr downward pressure on the dollar. But I don't necessarily think the we're over on that. I don't think we're heading straight down to, say, 95. I think we're going to see some back and forth over the next couple of months as we figure out what the forward trajectory of the dollar is. And a lot of that really has to do with what direction will the Fed take uh, in terms of their rate hikes and their quantitative tightening. Uh, and it has to do with um, 
with Treasury activity from the U.S. Treasury? How will they spend? What will they do? How will they fund the U.S. government? Tony, some analysts are saying that without a recovery in the Chinese economy, a global recession is all but assured. But what are your thoughts on this? You know, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think I think China will will do okay this year. Um, And uh, I think regardless, uh, Europe will likely dip into recession this year, although fairly moderate. In the U.S., you see a very strong employment environment. And so employment is one of the key considerations for uh, recession. So I don't believe the U.S. will dip into uh, recession really on the back of employment news more than anything else. And so once we see some of these layoffs with larger companies and we get through this as, say, equity valuations stabilize – um, I think we'll start to see a renormalization in the U.S. economy as the Fed kind of takes the foot off the brake of the U.S. economy. Of course, the Fed will continue to raise rates, but they'll do it at a much slower pace. And that will make people much more comfortable in doing things like investing capital and so on and so forth that will help the U.S. to grow. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, giving us his outlook for the world economies and also markets in the coming weeks. I think very much the question everyone has on their mind is Fed rates. What is the terminal rate? Will they over? Will they basically raise rates too much? and then cause the U.S. tip into a recession. But I see increasingly our guests, our commentators, sounding a little bit less pessimistic, hinting that perhaps we're going to have a soft landing rather than a hard landing. Yeah, I think it's really on the back of the really still strong uh, employment in the U.S. I mean, he did mention there's still 7 million jobs available in the U.S. and there are one people uh, post-COVID that didn't come back to work. And I think that really is his key point that the US may not uh, slip into recession, but it looks like EU will. And China's, uh, it looks like they are really on track to a a better recovery this year. I've seen some economists say that um, GDP growth could be like 5 to 6% as well. I see that consensus figure, uh, that range is around there for China's GDP for 2023. Now, turning our attention to a corporate that released results, they reported, which is Alcoa, excuse excuse me, which is an aluminium company, they reported fourth quarter results earlier today, which saw losses narrow to $374 million. Loss per share as the result was $2.12. The loss included a $217 million charge related to tax expense. Revenue did decline 20% to $2.66 billion. And Alcor attributed the decline in revenue to lower prices for both alumina and aluminium. Um, additionally, Alcor will see some executive leadership changes effective February 1st. Uh, they will, including CFO William Oplinger, reassignment to Chief Operations Officer in, ad- in addition to his Executive Vice President role. Okay, the street doesn't really like this stock when you look at Bloomberg. Five buys only, seven holes, no sales, consensus target price for this stock. 52 US dollars and 18 cents during regular market hours, the stock was already down $1.41 to $53.45. Now, I think we need to talk about one of the world's biggest companies, Apple. They are expanding their smart home lineup, taking on Amazon, 
and Google. Are you surprised by this move, Jensen? Not surprised at all. I think Apple is really the uh, leader in terms of innovation and you've seen it over the years. So no surprises there. So I think they're launching uh, some new uh, devices. There's a smart display tablet, there's a HomePod, there's a TV box and a MacBook and Mac Mini using their cutting-edge uh, new processor, uh, which is the M2 chip. Are you going to buy any of these gadgets? Uh, oh, you don't even use an Apple phone. You haven't joined the cult. You're about the only one on on the morning run. <laughs> you and Philip C's that you know hanging on I to have your a Android and iPad at home, but they're quite old. Okay, <laughs> uh, but will this make a dent to Apple's earnings? Perhaps I think they are trying to diversify their product range because you know the iPhone I think hasn't done as well as expected. If you look at Apple, of course, still a darling on Wall Street. Thirty six buys, eight holes, two sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 169 US dollars and 24 cents. At regular market hours, it was down 73 cents to 135 dollars and 21 cents. I, for one, will be curious as to what these products will be or how they'll fare. Up next, of course, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.